Warning, the content in this podcast contains some explicit language which may be offensive to some listeners and may be inappropriate for children. Therefore, the content in this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So, would you fall in love with hip-hop? Right here, what we're going to do is go back. This is Mocha T, this is Capri, this is Mika, and this is Dante, and today we actually have a special guest with us. What's your name? My name is Keyshawn Shells. I'm from Northside of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Northside? Like what part of Northside? Like 127 North Northside. That's your side. <laughs> that is, that yeah. is. And she <laughs> think you're rich. <laughs> no, she think everybody she think everybody <laughs> come from the north side is rich exactly right so i'm just curious because you're young what school did you go to i went to john marshall high school so you a true north side yes for sure yeah. you graduated graduated in 2017 yes oh, okay he actually go to college with my daughter he's not really on campus yeah. but he goes to college <laughs> But I, I, I sent her a picture of him, and then he, he told me that she actually sent him a message and all that stuff. Yeah, what did the sure. message say? I'm sure. You can't read. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I mean, she said in those DMs real quick. <laughs> I'm just trying to find out. No, nah, she was just trying to connect with us, really. Uh, just going to LinkedIn. You got to tell her. No, nah, but she was just trying to connect it. I was trying to say, you know, she was telling me about her mom and stuff like that and how she go to Langston and I didn't really connect it. I was like, okay, we match the name of the face. So, yeah. She looked sure. just like it, don't she? Yeah, something like that. She do, though. She's yeah. same face, same right. exactly. Same, 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 So I am going to ask a question that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic we're doing today. So question, since you're young, I'm sure you're dating, out here dating. So if a man took a woman on a date and got to the end of the date and said, so where do you see this going? Her question or her answer determined whether or not they split the bill. Do you think that would be fair to most men or do you think that that's that's too much. This is on a previous relationship. So if you just now, if this is the first day, you know, very first time seeing each other, then don't expect them to pay for it. You know, you should both come um, ready to pay for y'all meals. So, yeah. So these days, y'all split in bills? Yeah, split. You're going to split it until you identify to what we're I don't ever want to go back to This is this that new go back to So this is that new age. So that new age, you say, come first day, come come first day ready to pay for y'all meals. No, it's, it's, that plays a part. That plays a big part in it. But it's more so like a respect factor. You don't know what type of financial situation the other person is anyway. So don't expect nobody to pay for your meals. Even when you ask them to go on a date? Yeah. 
But that's my question. Like as a grown woman, like if you ask me to go on a date, yeah, no, I would not expect so, for you to pay, even yeah, though I'm gonna have my own money idea, to make sure. It's like if it's like a mutual thing, and it's like okay, we trying to get to know each other, then yeah, we gonna pay for our, our stuff. But at the same time, if I'm asking, you keep saying we. Yeah. So it's Dutch. He said if it's mutual. He said if, if it's, it's mutual, mutual, like we don't, we both gonna pay for. So y'all sitting there and we just basically yeah, like walk home hungry and you like, like, ask you like, would you like to go on a date? Yes. Then I'm gonna pay for it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I just so we actually that. have a college student <laughs> in the audience. So what do you think, Shamaya? I'm not going if she's not paying. She said she's not going if, she, if you're not paying. So what he you said, say she ain't going to college. I can understand. I can understand. As college students, I can understand. Oh, yeah, for sure. But once you get out of college, don't ask nobody on a date and thinking they're going to go Dutch. Once you actually graduated, you got a job, like, don't ask no woman on a date. Yeah, for sure. But dates can get expensive. So a man can get, I mean, so say for instance, you go on, think about this. So if you're a guy who's like, you know, a nice looking guy. He's a nice looking young man. Yeah, so if you get a lot of women who, you know, think that you're nice looking and you got about five dates a week, I could see being like I first dates. That's excessive. That's that's a lot. Because that means that depending on yeah. how the quality of the date. Now, you might need to start getting creative on some of them dates. So somebody oh, may need so to go to the lake. <laughs> somebody all needs to go see the Christmas lights. The <laughs> so, so what is your ideal date? Um, if this is a first date, then we want to go do something fun. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be too serious. I want to kind of get to know your personality and stuff like that. So you're going to go Dave and Buster's? Yeah, yeah, Dave and Buster's. So describe your ideal date. <laughs> All right, so if I was to ask someone on a date, I would first take them to somewhere like Ice and Vincent, somewhere like uh, Wing Supreme or somewhere right there. And then we'd go burn off all that food by doing something active. Like, either this summertime, we're going to go to the lake, we're going to go to the park, we're going to do something like that. You know what I'm saying? We're not about to just be cooked up inside all day. So you're going to take it to the hood? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. You want to know. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't get past that. You know, where I'm from is big to me. You know what I'm saying? So whenever we date and stuff like that, I want, I want you to just, you know what I'm saying? Before we get into all the expensive dates, I want to, you to see kind of where I come from and kind of see how down the earth you are. So do you feel like there's like a max spending limit that you can spend on your first date? Uh, it's not no limit, uh, as long as my budget is right, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's more so like, if we having fun and I'm not worried about my spending, then I'm going to have to deal with that later. <laughs> that's what's up. But that's a good thing. That's why I said, like, I think some men, and I think we put a lot of pressure on men for dates, and I think dates can, dating can get expensive, like... Yeah. I could un I could only imagine what it because I wouldn't ask nobody. I would be like, well, how much do I really like? Her? Nah, it's just like when you ask, you gotta be. You, you know what I'm saying? You gotta already have in your mind what you want to do. Don't just ask and you don't know. That's one thing girls don't like. They want you to tell them exactly what we about to do tonight, what we're doing, where we're going, daytime, all that stuff. So don't don't just say, oh, let's go on a date. You know or you say you where you going on a date and then and then yeah, hold on. But what happens yeah. when you get on a date and she show up and she like I don't want to go a high event center. Okay. So uh, then what? I'm gonna head out. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna play high? There, there you go. Exactly. Right. But, so is that a deal breaker for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can't. I mean, unless you're on some type of diet where you're trying to watch yourself. You know what I'm saying? Or what you want to eat. 
then if you explain that to me, then it's different. But if it's just like just like shunning it, right now it's. But a lot of people shun it though. Yeah, but this is my roots though, so that's a big part. But you know what? Me, I know, or whatever. But when I go on dates, like if I'm not feeling the person, I pay for myself because I don't want to feel like I owe you nothing. So at the end of the day, like if the date was awkward, or I'm like, I don't really like the way. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, like, I, you know what? I got me. But it's all about it's all about your, you know, what I'm saying your presence as a woman is. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna pay for the meal, but. Now, the day is not all about you, you know what I'm saying? This is our first day, we're both trying to get to know each other. So if I pay for the bill, yeah, pay for the tip. Okay. So what, <laughs> so, so what would be your thoughts if, say for instance, you go to swipe your card, um, it declines. We don't know why it declines, it just declines the first time. And then she look at you like, so do you expect her at that point to just... Take the take the tab. What if she take the tab and never talk to you again? Would you be okay with that, or would you feel some kind of way? Uh, <laughs> nah, I'm straight. You know what I'm saying? If you made, you paid for it, then you good. If you don't want to talk to me after that, and it just show me your character. He just cute. That's what that is. <laughs> he like, he, he like, I got one on the other side. <laughs> now you know I'll get another day. Like if you don't want it, somebody else will. Right. Okay, he seems sweet, don't do him. He does seem really sweet. So when he came to uh, talk to us, because JB just kind of dropped him off in our lap, I was really impressed. When he started talking, I thought he said college, and I was like, college? Uh, Wait, (laughs) so how old are you really? I'm 21. Okay. He a baby, baby. Yeah, I'm 21. I'm a junior in college right now. Uh, I'm studying criminal justice and corrections. At the Langston University, the only HBCU in Oklahoma. So yeah. But I wasn't even impressed with that part. I was impressed with his passion with the community. So talk about that. And um, that was uh, that's something I've always been kind of big on. Um, just coming from where I come from, I stayed in every neighborhood on the north side. So grew up in North Highlands, Chisholm Creek, Western Village. Uh, Those are three neighborhoods I grew up in, and. If you've been there and you was there back then, you would know, like, you know what I'm saying, that's a lot of mixture between poverty and middle class and stuff like that. So we didn't really actually have everything. And not only that, it's a lot of missing black fathers, you know what I'm saying. My dad was there. Uh, I know a lot of my friends. Compared to some of my friends, I had it better. So uh, I am grateful for that. But it's like, it's, it's to the point to where if I see, you know what I'm saying, a young man with nobody to look up to, I'd much rather him be looking up to me than somebody that's doing the wrong thing. So, yeah. so talk about like your involvement in the community and your passion about it. Um, so basically, uh, I do a lot of things. When I was in high school, uh, I was very involved in my school. So I was a uh, student council president, uh, different things like that. So I, every year I was in school. So since eighth grade to I graduated, I was a student council. Uh, I did DECA, different organizations inside the school. So like when I traveled, I actually did uh, YLX, which is an abroad leadership training thing for uh, average youth in Oklahoma City. Um, we basically had to raise money for uh, nonprofits, so like PAL, Police Athletic League. Um, forgot the other one that we did. But it was a lot of different uh, organizations that we had to do. And I feel like I just grew my love for it then because it was it wasn't my people that was doing it. Like I was in there, I was probably the only black dude in there, black male. So uh, when I was in there, I'm like, man, like I don't see too many people that look like myself 
doing stuff like this. So I was like, man, I played football at the time, so I'm like, I'm a football player first, but I've always had that drive and that passion to be like, man, this is my community, this is where I'm from. Even if I do make it big or go to the league, then this is what I'm gonna do anyway, so I'm gonna just do what I can now. So that's where I got most of that from, and just going through a lot of different things that I went through uh, in high school that was life-changing, kind of stuck out to me and made me feel like, you know, this is something, this is my purpose, this is what I want to do, this is my vision, so yeah. So ladies, go ahead and split that first check. <laughs> <laughs> he got a vision. He's right, a he got a vision. <laughs> Look, go on and split that first check and go to the Icy Vent Center and Wing Supreme. Okay. Go on and work it on out because he got a vision. What, what about Tess? It's good. Wherever he going to take you on the east side, north side, wherever he's taking you, just go. I know pretty much almost everybody at every food spot. So shout out to Will, Chicago Style Wings. So what is your long-term goal as far as like everything that you're doing? Because I think it's amazing what you're doing, but what is your long-term goal? Uh, my long-term goal is to actually have an own property on the north side where I grew up at, whether it's my old house or some buildings that's around it, and just turn them into a rec recreational use for um, kids like us, for a few different, like Ben and Tiddy to Oklahoma City Public Schools, like John Marshall. A lot of our fine arts programs have been taken away. And, you know, sports is all good and all, but a lot of different things like fine arts help us express ourselves, especially in the African-American culture. That's something that we're really big on these arts and fine arts and stuff like that. So having a, a like an after-school program, a couple of those, and um, I'm into uh, criminal justice and correction, so just average juveniles and stuff like that, working with them. And just my long term goal is just to find eternal happiness and peace. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna tell you, my, my bachelor's degree was in criminal justice really? because I went to the Berry House when I was little. Oh, <laughs> nobody do that. Nobody <laughs> 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 they want to come out with some secrets. <laughs> but then I, but I don't know. It just, I don't know. Like life yeah, led me down a different path. But that was originally like my passion yeah. was criminal justice and like parole and uh, yeah, sure. probation because I actually wanted to help people. Right, yeah, because yeah. I, I have siblings, you know, that's been in the system or whatever, and I do believe yeah. like there there are good people that just get caught up in the wrong thing yeah. and they need guidance. Yeah. So that was originally my passion. Right. But I mean, I'm doing something different. But I mean, I commend you for that. Oh uh, yeah, it's dope. And the thing is, it's more so like in the uh, criminal justice field, you don't have a lot of you know what I'm saying, black males, and they need it. It's more of us locked up than it is of us even working. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. We don't even have people to relate to when we go into it, you know what I'm saying? If somebody do get locked up, if somebody like me is in there, I understand where this man come from. I understand where this young kid come from. I can talk to him. I can mentor him while he's in there, you know what I'm saying? Not just, because in there, it, it get crazy, you know what I'm saying? I'll be doing my research and my studying and stuff like that. Like, a lot of stuff goes wrong inside of prison behind those doors and the malls that we don't know about. And having people on the inside is almost half the battle with having somebody to understand where you're coming from, uh, having somebody that's gonna take a different approach and don't have just this stigma against you, so yeah. That's what's up. Okay, so today's topic is gentrification. So tell us about, so tell us what your definition of gentrification would be. Uh, I have to say like, just taking, taking over. Right, it's an overall takeover or just the mix of something 
new into something old, regardless of what it is. Uh, when we speak about gentrification here on the city and community term, we think about uh, different businesses getting bought out, uh, different homes getting bought out, and um, people, different type of people moving inside those neighborhoods that's making it a different type of area, different type of just everything, and everything is going to be different from that point forward. You know what I'm saying? Like gentrification, when it happens, is it gradually happens, but when it gradually happens, it's there permanently. So, so do you think it's a bad, always a bad thing? Uh, no, nah, I don't think it's always a bad thing. I just think it's, uh, it's different, and some people don't like it. You know what I'm saying? And some people don't like it. Some people like the original. Some people like what they're used to. But you know what I'm saying? You can't stay in the same place forever. But then again, you can't get away from where you come from. So. Um, we always talk about, when we talk about gentrification, one of the biggest things is um, the change in what the people look like in the neighborhood. So elaborate. When, what, you, what do you mean when you say the change in what the people look like? Yeah. So my people, African-American people, um, as you know, I mean, the east side is like home, like it's the mecca of Oklahoma. When it comes to, a lot of people don't know, back, way back in the day, Oklahoma was home of the most black towns in, in the country, black-owned businesses in the country. Like, this is stuff people don't know. This is like almost like the mecca, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to black entrepreneurship. And a lot of people don't look into that, but when you have that, that history and when you have other people are like, okay, I got an idea for this plan or this layout or that layout. They want to kind of get rid of what was and focus on what's to come. So, hint, more different colored people, multicolored people moving inside of neighborhoods that are traditionally black, Latino, um, or Hispanic, and basically just taking over that area and making it, they make it nicer, but they make it to where you can't afford it. Or they make it it's not easier. Right? <laughs> that's your Yeah, like they, yeah. It's, it's it's different ways and tactics they do it do for that justification. Because I know like some apartments that was like four hundred, five hundred dollars before on the north side is now like eight hundred dollars, and it's just due to all the Chisholm Creek. I, I'm in college, so when I came back and seen all that Chisholm Creek stuff, I'm like, do they not know like what they talking about? Is the creek like that's the hood? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> But now they've gentrified it, and I believe yeah. it's because, like, you know, we're close to downtown and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. So, at first, I was kind of like, it seems like, it, it kind of made me mad, to be honest with you, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, every single house that's selling is selling to a white individual, or whatever. Uh -huh. But at the same time, it made my property value go up. So, right. I'm, I'm constantly, like, yeah. I have equity upon equity or whatever. But, at the same time, it's kind of like... I want our people to, you know, buy these houses yeah. and take care of it. For sure. And it seemed like it's not that. It seemed like that investors are coming into our neighborhood mm -hmm. and buying it for, like, mm -hmm. whatever, and they're selling it for, like, double the profit, and that oh, yeah. bothered me. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's that's the game. It's really the game, <laughs> and it's, like, it's almost to the point to where you can, you can benefit from this 
and you can get the short end of the stick of this. And it's, it's more so where you are financially. And when you think about jobs and you think about the situations in different homes that we come from, you know what I'm saying? We don't have, some people are living paycheck to paycheck, barely getting by, you know what I'm saying? So how can you tell a person like that to own their home? Like, <laughs> just out of nowhere with so many kids or with so many different situations without a college education, wasn't able to go to college, wasn't able to get a degree, um, and have that salary paying job and different jobs like that. You know, it's, there's certain moms and stuff that's out here that's working three to four jobs and still, you know, can't get it done. So it's more about putting, uh, <laughs> it's more about putting us in a situation where we can be ready for these type of things and changes and, and differences that they're making in our community. If we get ahead, get ahead of the curve by getting that degree, making making more income for ourselves, owning our own things, that's a big that's a big one. It's, it's really just ownership and but I think that, what you get. That's true, but I think the thing with the black community is that we get upset because we feel like white people are coming in and buying up our stuff. Yeah. But we can buy it up too. But we choose not to. And gentrification is not just white people. Right. You have wealthy black people. Oh yeah who buy homes, who sell homes to the highest bidder. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if you have property, you went in, invested in your property, you made whatever changes you did, whatever but restorations. But how many black people are doing that? It, I mean, I'm not saying that there's not a lot. We don't know because we don't, te we don't oh, technically okay, know. Okay, so we have, we, we have a realtor. No, we're not <laughs> we, we actually have an investor. An investor. Okay. I, I buy them and I fix them up and I sell them. To the highest bidder. To the highest bidder. Okay, so if I actually watched a video today and it was talking about gentrification. And they were like, they feel like investors take advantage of the opportunity in the neighborhoods. But I don't feel that way. Because, I mean, that's like if a sale is at the mall, we're going to take advantage of that sale. The same with the property. If, there, if the property is, we know that it's worth something, we're going to take advantage of it. Unfortunately, it's, it's mostly other races and you, you know, whatever. But I don't see nothing wrong with that. Like, as a homeowner in the area, I don't see nothing wrong with that. And usually, like, when there's houses for sale or whatever, I post it. Like, I, I normally contact people that I know. Like, hey, it's a house over here for sale. And it's up to you to buy it. And if you don't buy it, we can't get mad at, at a white investor or whatever for purchasing their property for taking advantage of that investment. But well, it's, it's, it's that advantage. I think, like, as an African-American culture, we get used to it. So those who grew up on the east side is used to that. So we never intended that someone else of a different race or even someone of our own race higher up and make more money than us would come in and want to put us at our own home or make the neighborhood more than what it is because they're used to growing up like that. So you have like grandparents who own the home, but you know, that's where you grew up. And I agree with you. Same thing with the store on 23rd and uh, 23rd and Kelly. Everybody is blaming that store closing on gentrification. That's not the issue. Like, it's not necessary. Like, huh? Kelly. No, Kelly. 23rd and Kelly. Oh, the by your house. Okay. Yes. And they're blaming it on gentrification. That's not necessarily the case. Like, I believe, I know the person that runs that, and they were just kind of tired of it, and they were competing with 7-Eleven and, and on cue. 
that's in the area, and they got tired of competing with it. So, but but black people always want to get on social media and blame it on gentrification when that's not the issue, and we can actually change that. Like we don't take care of our own neighborhoods. Like I've been in a neighborhood, like I said, since I was 16 years old. It was prostitutes and everything else in that area. My house has like, I'm not even gonna say double. It has more than double. And so I'm actually on the fence as far as like. You know, like, I'm actually happy that, like, people are actually come, investors are coming in and changing my right. neighborhood because it's, it's making me, it's right. making more money for me at the end of the day. Yeah, I wanted to add this because a lot of people talk about the gentrification now and it's raising more awareness now because it's hitting home on the east side. But if you grew up on the north side, you'll really see how different things is. You know what I'm saying? That was a buffalist that was, like, right around, right around the corner from my house. That's not there anymore. That was a grocery store that been gone. Uh, Chisholm Creek, that whole thing that's over there, put a Cabela's. I don't know if you know anything about Cabela's, but it's fueled by the NRA, uh, NRA National Rifle Association, endorses our president. So it's just certain things that you that we started to notice as far as, because everything else, everything nice was across from Memorial. Growing up on the north side, you got to see, you know, wealthy and you got to see the bottom of the bottom. So it's like you, certain people they loves and the different corporations that come over there and start building and doing different things. It's a plus to us, it's like, okay, yeah, we got this over here on our side now. Now we don't have to travel and go all the way over here, but it's more so like we gotta, we have to do our job by keeping up because we already been set back so much, you know what I'm saying, as a people. So as far as keeping up, it's just, giving ourselves that advantage and that opportunity to actually be able to purchase those homes when you say, hey, there's a home here. Yeah, you can tell me that, but I'm not in a financial situation to just up and go buy this home. And most of our people aren't. So it's like, it's more so we have to get that part down packed as far as knowing the game and understanding the game. Because it's, it's a lot like the awareness about realtors and, and buying homes and purchasing and owning your own stuff is the awareness is getting raised like 2019 I've seen the most drastic like awareness on that owning your own things owning your own brand uh, most of that I feel like came from Nipsey Hussle because he had a big impact on my generation and uh, different guys that I know and grew up with so uh, long live him and I mean just ownership in general is something that we have to work on and I agree, but I want to plug my friend, Colette, yes. and she actually, she's the owner of All City Homes, and she actually helped people get homes. Like, if you if you don't qualify, if you need knowledge about it, she actually helped people get homes. So I just want to plug you, All City Homes, because she'll help you. Okay. okay. And, and, and that's the thing, like, a lot of black people, they're not knowledgeable about right. it. And so, like, when we are in areas that are, you know, they're gentrifying. Mm -hmm. We're not knowledgeable about it. Mm -hmm. Don't really so, know what's going on. So. I actually looked up some information today, and I was I wasn't really aware because in my in my mind I'm thinking, okay, we've had this house over here for 20 plus years. When we bought this house, it was prostitutes. The house wasn't worth anything. Now it's worth a lot. And so I'm thinking, okay, well this is actually helping me, but I didn't think about like other people in the area that's actually renting their homes. Right. So the the landlords can actually come in and like, okay, well you were paying $600 a month, now this area is worth so much more, so I need to raise your rent to $1,200 a month. And so it actually forces people out, and I didn't even realize that until today, that gentrification could possibly force people out of their homes. Oh, yeah. And then also, 
I know we say ownership, 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 but I think a lot of us also need to know what goes into ownership because a lot of the homes uh, that are being gentrified or people are buying are run-down homes. You have to maintain your home. So when people talk about, oh, go buy a home, go buy a home, people don't sometimes include also that you have to maintain a home. It's just like getting a car. You know, you buy a car. You can't just buy a car because if you just drive it, you have to replace the tires. You have to get a tune-up. You have to keep the oil changed. You have to make sure oil stays in the car. I mean, it's the same thing. So when you get a home, you have to do the same thing. So you have to constantly maintain the maintenance on your home. And so a lot of people do own their homes. We do have a lot of African-Americans that own their homes. What happens is someone either abandons the home, the home needs so much work that it stays in the family. It's an abandoned home. Nobody's paid the taxes on it in some umpteenth years because they fighting over it. And now you have a home that somebody else can come in and purchase and pay taxes on and take off from under you because you're not maintaining the home. So I think a lot of times what ends up happening is we need to be knowledgeable about the whole process. Not just buy a home. Go buy a home. Great. Now I have my home. The AC went out. The um, roof caved in. Um, the yard. Now my foundation then fell apart. And nobody told me about any of this. And I've been living paycheck to paycheck already anyway. So I can't really afford to fix it or keep up with it. But I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, investors actually prey on people like that because they... I told you, like, I've received postcards and letters every week from an investor actually willing to pay cash for my house. They're like, as is, we'll pay whatever you want for your house, as is. And so if you're, if you're like, in a financial situation and your roof is caving and everything and you don't see the potential of your home, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to sell it for whatever. Or you do see the potential of your home because you got that investor and you're so upside down and everything else. That you somebody coming to offer you exactly. twenty thousand dollars cash maybe, sale. Maybe you lost your home. That's what right. You mean I mean, right maybe now. you lost your job. Yeah. Maybe your husband left you. At that point, I mean, shit, you might just be willing to go ahead and take. Because I receive them same letters. Oh, yeah. You know, so. you people that struggle, shit, they think about it. If you receive them letters, that mean that you're gentrifying your area because you're actually in a good area with Chisholm Creek. And that's what they're about well, to they do. Well, they are. They upgrade. You know, that's exactly what they're about to do. Yeah. I mean, it, but if you're receiving letters, yeah. But, but even your value prices are going up. Right. Yeah. The prices can go yeah. up, but if you still haven't maintained your house, it's still going to affect your ability to sell your home. But it's no, because it's important to keep your home, though. It is important to, to keep it if you can. But that's what I'm saying. So we need to be knowledgeable about all of that. So not just buy a home, because a lot of people push buy a home without pushing, without giving you the knowledge. Buy a home, make sure you have enough money to set you, putting money up for savings, make sure that you have a rainy day fund, make sure that you can afford to maintain your home so that when your value of your home does go up, you can benefit from the value of your home. It is, it's a lot of wealth that goes into real, um, real estate if you understand real estate. But a lot of times we don't understand it. So what happens is you get stuck in a in a rut and you have a home that you can't do nothing with. I don't I mean that's like I could go buy a home today, but if somebody told me I had a fifteen thousand dollar repair on a home, I'm gonna look at them like, well I I can't do nothing with that. That's what they not teach you in schools. They teach you exactly. but they're not teaching real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we actually get the product I'm just curious because you're a realtor, what are your like um challenges with dealing with people? So you when I'm dealing with when I'm dealing with people, I'll tell them what the price is. You can either sell the house like it is and a lot of times it is our african-americans that aren't updating their homes you 
know, they're thinking, oh, well, that home sold for that. Well, you can't get what they sold their home for because your bathrooms are still the same way they looked when you bought the home. You know, okay. stuff starts breaking down. You're not maintaining it. Small stuff turns into big stuff. Not having gutters on the homes lead to foundation issues. So a lot of times we don't take care of the small issues, and then they turn into bigger issues. And now that small leak, now you got all kind of mold and all kind of stuff going on, which if you would have took care of it when it was a small problem, then, you know, that would have took care of that bigger expense. So, yes, you definitely have to maintain the home, but a lot of times we're not in position to pay the money to do the updates, the upgrades, so that you can get the higher cost. And I think that's what we get upset about is because we're mad that people actually come into our community, but we don't maintain our homes. Right. Well, see, the other thing is, like, so I always talk about my experience as a kid. I grew up in a home where my mom did not maintain the home. and But I think part of her challenge was keeping us stable because as a kid, she went from house to house, school to school. And so her priority wasn't maintaining a home. She just did. I mean, this was the first home that in her family that someone owned. Um, this was her first experience with it. She got, went through a divorce. She didn't want that to affect our lives. And so we ended up in this home that from the top of it to the bottom of it, I mean, by the time it was time for us, by the time we moved out of that home as a family, that home probably had thousands of dollars worth of repair needed to that home. And so I just always looked at that and said, if I can, you know, when people say purchase a home, I think, well, hell, if you can't maintain a home, you don't need to purchase a I mean, like purchasing a home and then leaving it where you don't have. My mom got no equity in her home. She had nothing to show for her when she came out of that home. And she was upside. Like, by the time you left, you were upside down. It's like getting a car again, getting a car and not maintaining it and then being ready to trade it in. Yeah, maintaining it. But you got, like, the difference. Like, maintaining, yeah, but... Maintaining it is not just keeping it clean. You know what I'm saying? Maintaining like, it is it's updating. updating it, and that's that's the biggest thing. Cause, like you said, we like we don't like change. We don't like that. Those differences. It's like your grandma not about to get rid of that because it's been working for 30 years, and she don't see the reason of doing that. But she don't understand that maintaining that's part of maintaining it. Not just keeping it clean, but updating and keeping it up to date in the time. So, so as a realtor, do you recommend like? Um like home warranty programs? Yes, because we don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah, definitely um, home warranties. There's some good ones and there's some that aren't so well. I always say read the reviews. Okay. You can find a lot of information on that. But yes, that would definitely help. Home warranties, getting a good home inspector that's going to be detailed so you know what you're purchasing, what you're getting into. They're also going to give you information on how to maintain the home, not just what's broke, but that you need to cock the windows and you need to do these extra things to keep the house functioning. Do you feel like this, like, not talked about in our community? No, it's not. Not enough. I don't think it's talked about enough. I feel like I'm just now just really hearing it this much. You know, this year I've heard about bond real estate a lot this year, like more than what I ever heard about. So I do feel like that awareness is getting there, but a lot of this stuff we never knew, you know what I'm saying? So, and also, um, it, it benefits you to have people who actually like know, like if you have a family member who pay, pay Uncle John, if Uncle John really knows he got a craft and he knows how he knows to update how to homes and yeah. he knows how to do it, that's a good way to make make it a family thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can take it and, and, re, and flip a home. Right. With your, with your uncle, own, yeah. 
pay your uncle to flip mm-hmm. the home and then do it well. But if you know, if he knows what he's doing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you don't have that, you have to be realistic about yeah, it. It's all about the lack so, of knowledge in that, in that area. It's just like in the justice system, a lot of people don't know their laws, don't know how to protect themselves. We don't know what to do when we get pulled over. We don't know that we don't have to raise down the window. We don't know that we can't get out the car. It's, it's just certain things that we don't know within it. Self is just like lack of knowledge of our people when it comes to what's going on. You do have to. Y'all didn't see the video of the, uh, the police officer that broke the man's window and drug him out of his car? A couple of them, yeah. So you don't have to roll down your window, you but you you might you might want to go ahead and roll down the window because there was a, a video yeah. circulating recently of a man who was like sitting in his car. He kept asking the police officer like, "Why are you pulling me over?" Police officer wouldn't <laughs> respond. So basically, the police officer took a hold of the window, broke the window, unlocked the door, and drugged the man out of his car. As a black man, you definitely want to let someone know. I'm going to already down. I'm going to already down. But that's unfortunate, though. But it's like, that's something that, that's just, that's learned, like, behavior from what they didn't do. You feel me? Like, from day one, they weren't supposed to be doing all that. But we know what to do now because we got to be smart about it. Like, we got to protect ourselves. So, at the end of the day, that's what it's about is getting home safe. So. So what is the solution to gentrification? So what we, we talk about it, we mm. get upset about it, we say, you know, they're taking over our neighborhoods, we don't feel like, you know, we have a buy-in to it. So what do we think is the resolution to it? It's simple. We just got to own our own things. We got to teach ourselves. We got to teach Education. each other. Education. It's going to be the main thing. That's the, that's the number one thing is, is teaching ourselves, like, everything. When it comes to anything, we, we got to know what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? We can't trust... Nobody else to, you know, look out when, like you said, you say it's gentrification, they buying homes, but it's, it's almost to the point where it's like, okay, now we got, it's, it's an even enough playing field for us to go get get in those books and say, you know, look up anything. If you got, you know, on your phone anyway, on social media, look up a YouTube video where realtors are talking about how to do things, share it with your friends, share it, share everything else on Facebook, share that, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's about. So here's the thing. You you want to know where knowledge is it hidden at? In a book. So we forget about the library. It's free. If you really that dedicated to it, go to the library. I mean, but I get I get that part. But go to the library. Um, get a book. Sit down and read. I mean, the other part is a lot of us don't want to do the work that it takes to learn a lot of things. We want somebody to give us their knowledge. And so if I'm saying that the issue is I, we don't know, but you truly want to know, and everybody you keep running across charging a fee and you don't have the money to give the fee, go to the library. Pull up some books. Sit down and read. Take a couple of, I mean, and also invest in yourself. 
So there's real estate classes. There's things that you can do to invest in yourself to learn more. And a lot of times we want somebody to just give us something. And But if you worked hard and you paid your money and you did all the work and somebody come to you and say, give me your knowledge... I mean, I may give you some knowledge, but I'm not going to give you everything in my head because I worked hard for everything that I have. So why should you not then, if you really are that interested in it, why should you not then work just as hard as I work to get that knowledge? Some people are willing to give you everything in their head. Some people are willing to give you everything in their head. It's just that some, they will give it to you, but everybody won't apply it. You know, so I don't mind giving it to you because I'm going to tell you, but are you going to apply it at the end of the day? You got to be consistent. You got to be consistent when when you're teaching somebody, you don't just tell them to run and go do that or run and go do this. You got to actually help them to understand what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people can tell you, oh, yeah, man, I just did this, did that, did that. And you can go, okay, okay. And then you'll go and you're like, oh, I didn't know I had to do this, that, and the third first before I even got here. And it's all about investing yourself. And another thing, like you said, investing yourself, you got to spend money to make money. So if I, if there's this realtor class, 300, you know what I'm saying, a month that I'm going to and I'm learning, if I don't have that three a month, then I can't get get there. So that's why the the self, um, self-motivated self part comes in hand where you like, Okay, if you really want to do that thing, if you really want anything, and that's in life general, you don't have to do the extra work to go go get it. You got to go the extra mile for everything. So it's either like I seen something the other day that said you can, um, it's hard being broke and it's hard to be rich. So which one are you going to choose? Which hard you want? Which one are you going to choose? <laughs> right. So I'm, my friend is over here, and I know you wouldn't plan on being a Michael. Do you have any um, words for people out there that's listening? Well, same thing what she said is books. Go on Amazon. I do a lot of um, purchasing books with things that I don't know because I don't expect everybody to give me the game or tell me everything. And time is money. So a lot of that stuff is, is going to take time. And people will come to you all day wanting to know, hey, what do you do? What do you do? How do you do this? I may give it to them, but like you said, they're not going to apply it. That's true. I don't mind giving knowledge. I'll break things down, but if you're going to actually do something with it. But I get so many different calls from different people saying, hey, I'm ready to do this, but their actions don't really lead up to what exactly. they want to do. I yes. give them what to do, and a very small percentage actually goes through. People don't want to fix their credit. They don't want to stop buying, going out to eat, doing this, doing that, you know, saving money. You're going to have to buy, you're going to have to have money to buy a house. Yes, there's lots of programs out here, but the way the market is right now, you pretty much got to have some money in the bank if you want to compete exactly. with the other buyers that are out here buying and put yourself in position to win. Also, uh, uh, one of the things that I have seen is um, with my kids, and what I will do with my kids is I will teach them financial literacy, but I will probably hang on to them a little bit longer because we're good for being like, you're 18, get on. And I think that there's a lot to be learned past the 18-year-old mark. And sometimes what happens is our counterparts keep their kids. You can come back home with a husband, wife, kids in your 30s with your dog and your parent, and they're going to let you stay there till you get your money together until you are able to purchase a home because it's important. They know that it takes savings. They know that it ta- what it takes to actually buy and build a- and get a home. And so I will 
definitely be passing that on to my children. I've had friends that I'm like, you know, if you got the kind of parents that'll let you stay at home, you got a full-time job, and they say, you know, stay at home, renovate your home, buy, buy your home, renovate your home, and pull up money in the savings so when you go out, you have a rainy day fund, take advantage of that. Don't care. It don't matter what nobody else has to say. That's <laughs> Do it. That's true. I was, you know, talking about just that some people don't have that advantage to be able to do that. And so we are in college at 18, and it's like, all right, I can't pay your phone bill no more. I can't pay your insurance no more. I can't, I can't pay your bills no more. So you got to do it on your own. So already at 18, 19 years old, while going to college, you got to worry about working, going to class, and, and still, and that, it, it really, yeah. it really, it, it does, it's a lot on the, on the, on a college student, and like you said, you already kind of behind that curve, because if I'm on somebody that don't have to pay, pay bills, or pay $500 every month, and I can save that $500 I make every month, I can invest that $500, then that's an advantage that I have, and that's, that's something, it's, it's like a generational It's thing. a mindset yeah. thing. I think sometimes our and not saying, I mean, we, we've gotten to, we've had, we've been burdens instead of actual, like, blessings. Not to say that our parents didn't love us or don't care about us, but it's like, woo, you gone. <laughs> get but the other one. And woo, then, I guess you, you probably gone. should listen, because I think when I was, I was just trying to get out. Y'all know me, I moved out 17. <laughs> My grandma was like, stay, stay. And I was like, uh-uh. Her curfew was at 10 p.m. <laughs> and me and Dante trying to go to Grenadier. So, it, I mean, it didn't work. But I probably, now that I look back, you know, at raising my kids, you know, I ended up buying a house, but it was a thought process. I was like, hmm, you know, I didn't have the cold credit thing that was taught and, you know, all of that that came along with it, you know. So, when I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I'll make, I'll make a little bit of money. You know, I probably want to be a little bit stable for these kids, you know, but I probably didn't think about, only thing that I thought about is like, you know, thinking to myself, like, be able to pay it no matter what. You know, if it's just me by myself or if it's me with my husband, you know, I got to think about it, I got to be able to pay it. Well, that's the only probably smart thing I thought about. I didn't think about if something, my roof came in. <laughs> um, I didn't think about that then. You know what I'm saying? Now that you get, no. You know, you thinking like, you know, I just want to, I want to own a home. I want to have something that's mine. Because, you know, back in the day, who owned, like, when I was younger, like, who actually in my family owned a home besides my grandma? I don't think nobody between that, you know what I'm saying, from then up until my age owned a home. So all I could think about is that, you know, I wanted some type of achievement to own a home, not thinking about everything that came along with it. You know, so it, that you got to think about that because that's hard. So I would take advantage of the parents that allow you, to, and I would at this point allow my baby to come back home and get himself situated. He can't stay long. Now, if you listen to this, Jamie, he can't stay long. But yeah, I mean, you know, but my situation was different. I actually had that parent that was like, "You can stay here forever." Yeah. So before I moved out, I had a whole house full of furniture. I had my living room. You know, some people actually move out with nothing, and they have to actually build up. So my mom was actually like, you know, you can stay here as long as you want to, or whatever. You can buy whatever you want to. I moved out because I got into it with my brother. I was stick of gum. <laughs> he was like, territory, I, I, I got one piece of his gum, and he flipped out on me. And I was like, you know what, mama? Like we both heard, like, it was leading up to that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That wasn't the thing. Hold on, look. I was the one who, when I turned 18, I went, I got sent off to college. 
all of my bills I had to cover. So I worked all the way through high school, I mean, through college. And then when I had my daughter, which wasn't about a, but a year after, I was the one who had to move out with all I had was a bed, a box spring, no headboard, no, no frame, a box, and a box TV. Not even like, because we didn't have flat screens. That's all I had when I moved out into my first apartment. So I had to build up to things. Uh-uh. My apartment was decked out. I had everything. That's what I'm back in the day. We used to go to Rita Center. No, no. I didn't have no Rita Center or nothing. I didn't have no Rita Center. That's what you made. Everything was right. fine. Y'all bought, I bought stuff, but it was used. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, y'all can't say that everybody wasn't in my house, wasn't y'all? Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, like, it know. came together eventually. I mean, piece by piece, I bought it. I mean, but I, I've always appreciated the stuff I have because everything I've had, I've worked, for, I've worked exactly. hard for. And so true. that's just, I mean, that was my, that's my life story. But I came from the house where the house, a homeowner, and I got, a, like I always say, I got a couple of burns on my body from broken hot, hot water heaters and packing water. So that's what made me say, uh-uh, no, I don't, I don't want to walk into that venture till I'm ready to walk into that venture because I don't ever want that to be my kid's story. So, But I keep calling out my friend, but I remember being like 21 and she owns her own home, like two-story home. And I was like, I want that. My, my first one at...
So we usually dismiss. Hold on. So I'm gonna ask you this. Um, can you give some of your? Um, okay. Can you give some of your your platforms? Okay. Well, no, we want we not, so since we're not dismissing you, so then we're gonna include you in the we next. In the next topic. Look at you. The next topic is family and forgiveness. Do you have you have you had to deal with that for a while, uh, yourself? Yeah, yeah. He took a deep breath. I know. You already want to know this. So, what does it mean to forgive someone? Uh, And uh, I think forgiveness is is one of the biggest biggest lessons in life. How to forgive? uh, Because a lot of people can say, "I forgive you," and really don't forgive you. And for the longest, I had to deal with that. It was uh, I had to deal with. Forgiving people for real, for real, you know what I'm saying? Like, and keeping that same energy, not holding on grudges and stuff like that. I feel like forgiveness, you gotta understand why you shouldn't hold on to a certain thing, you know what I'm saying? Because if the understanding is not there, you don't know where you wanna go, if you wanna hold on to it, then it's gonna affect you, not just in the now, but it's gonna affect you in the long run mentally, and you probably won't ever know. So, so Mika, Dante? What does it mean to forgive? Um, I, I would think as far as just forgiveness would be just, you know, like I can forgive you and let it go. Like I won't dwell on it, but I can't. My thing is like sometimes mm, family is much. You know, when it's due to forgiveness, you know, I can understand. I can say that I forgive you and I can keep it pushing. But my, my thing is like I don't really have to necessarily deal with you. Just because I say that I forgive you and I keep going, don't mean that I really got to deal with you. Because, you know, sometimes family, some family is just toxic. And you ain't really got to, just because I forgive you, don't mean that we, you my first cousin, or whatever the case may be, doesn't really necessarily mean that I have to, we have to, you know, have some type of relationship. I mean, I can forgive you, we just going to keep it pushing. I don't know. I feel like I'm fortunate, Harry, because I haven't had any disagreements or arguments with any of my family. Well, like, it doesn't necessarily be a disagreement. Or I mean, but I'm just saying I haven't had any issues to where like we've gotten into it where I have to forgive you. Okay. Yeah, huh? Because like, that piece of gum that you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, listen, that was my brother, and I'm gonna tell you the situation. Like, it, and he would come on and talk about it, but. He had been in prison for like 12 years and he was institutionalized. And so I just kind of like chopped it up as like, you know, he was institutionalized. He was still in the mindset of everything is mine. You don't touch my, he had a 20 pack of gum. And I took one piece of his new pack and he flipped out. Okay. I didn't ask. Did you ask? I didn't ask, but he felt like, but he would hide like stuff in his room. But at the time, I didn't understand because I had never been incarcerated. But like once I had gained an understanding, you know, like what it's like to be, I mean, I still don't really know, but like once I gained an understanding, like I understood he was just still institutionalized, like where you hang on to everything that's yours or whatever. But I I mean, it wasn't nothing. Like I moved out and we we good. Like he, like we straight. I mean, you still have to forgive him though, or? Y'all still had to have some, right. some I just, I reconciliation. Out, I was probably ready anyway because I was trying to have, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what that's, that's about it. Um, <laughs> so I've had to have a lot of forgiveness in regards to, like, my family. Um, just because, but I'm like you, Mika. Um, just because you're my family doesn't mean that we have to be in the same space together. Um if your energy is bad, if you're toxic to me, if this relationship is toxic, 
then I'm okay with forgiving you for whatever happened and then being okay with the fact that we just don't, we just can't be in each other's um, area. We don't, we can't, we can't go go places with each other. We just don't do things together. I mean, I see you at the family gathering. I love on you. I'm, you know, I love on your kids. I, you know, we're good. We don't have any issues. But I just know, like I always say, I know which box to put you in. Like, that's just how I deal well, I, I with my family. Is, it, is that considered, like, okay, so you said, you know how you forgive somebody, but, you know, you're still cordial with, some, with a person. Is that... Is that like being fake or is that just understanding? Because some people can be like, oh, well, this person, she fake, she knows she really don't like me or every time she comes around, blah, 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 it's, it's tension, it's this, it's that. But some people, most people don't understand. It's like, okay, I forgave you for what happened a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? It's not that I'm being fake. It's that I would much rather not have to argue with you every time I see you. You, you want peace. <laughs> yeah. You I mean, want it's peace. It's okay to have peace. And I you being an adult about it. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to trip about it. That's yeah. how I feel about that. And it's also accepting people for who they are. Oh, yeah. That's the big part. That's I mean, so that's a big mm -hmm. part. Like, you are who you are. And so there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, and we just don't get along. Don't get so along. because you are who you are and we don't yeah. get along, I don't need to be in your space yes, with you. I don't have to. We don't have to engage with each other. We don't have to go places with each other because us doing that is toxic for each other. Yeah, exactly. So I think that people get upset because people don't necessarily um, agree with that being like people would prefer for you to just be mad at them or yeah. be upset with <laughs> them. But then it's like, well, if if you forgive me, then why can't you go somewhere with me? No, yeah, because I know when I take you, you know somewhere, you, yeah. you act a fool. This is not going to work for us. Yeah. I can't do that. You know, I'm in a different place. Yeah, so, sure. I don't know yeah. what type of family members. <laughs> I mean, not just well, family, like, but like friends. Like, you know, like, like you know, this come with, yeah. like, even stuff, like, when I think back, like, it's childhood, just over childhood. Mm. Like, forgiveness come with, like, you know, like, we, we talked about it. It's not a secret, you know, just to be transparent about it. You know, my parents didn't raise me. So, you know what I'm saying, forgiveness, it took a lot, you know what I'm saying, as far as forgiveness on that kind of stuff. I mean, it may be something, it may not be that I'm just upset with you for something like that, you know, but the thing is, like, I actually had to forgive my mom and daddy for not being there. You know what I'm saying? So, I like forgiveness is a whole... Oh, different. It ain't really necessary. And she keeps saying like she don't have family, but yeah. you talk yeah. about your daddy issues. That would yeah. be a part of forgiving. Because yeah. I mean, if you're not there for me, you know what I'm saying. In the back of my mind, you know, you hold some type of grudge. But if you know, I forgive you that you didn't do what you were supposed to do. But but do you know what I'm saying? People really and forgive though. Yes, people forgive. I mean, I forgive. I feel like you know because. As a, you know, when you have girls, you know, and I don't know if it's different, but when you have girls and you need your mom there, you know, and I needed my mom at certain times when she wasn't there, and seeing her, like, out, and I used to see her out, and I'd be like, I'm going to pass it down the street, you know, I don't want her to see me, and I have my kid in the car, you know, and I'm like, he's like, is that my grandma? And you keep passing by, but you, all I could do is pray for him, and when she did actually come to me, because, you know, some people don't even apologize for the stuff they do. You know, some parents, you get some parents that ain't been in your life and never feel like they even owe you any type of apology. Our community of yes. parents feel like they don't owe you nothing. Like they don't they owe you nothing. And that's so, it's mentally, it mentally, it puts a mental block on you. 
So when it comes to forgiveness, you're just like, that's just what it is. It is what it is. But it's like, no, you really have not forgave this person for what they did to you when you were six or seven. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have not forgave this person. And it, that person having apologized, they feel like they don't need to. And sometimes when somebody feels like they don't need to apologize to you, then that sits different on you. Because it's like, man, this, this, person, this person can go do something. And it'd be their fault. Why is it my job to go and confront them and forgive them? I agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because right. sometimes apology is warranted. Like sometimes a parent should sit you down when you know that they wasn't married. You know it's that they didn't do But let me let me <laughs> let me say what happens. What happens is we wait for this apology that may never come. And it's true. And it doesn't mean But, hold on. but what I'm saying, it, it may not come how you want it. It may never come. But it also has to, that's, a, that's something that we have to learn from people in our lives, too. So even though your parent may never apologize to you, you may run across somebody who, complete, who hurts your feelings, who does you wrong, who mistreats you, mistreats your kids, whatever, and never apologizes for it. You have to, at some point, get to a point in your, with yourself in your own maturity. And I think a lot of us struggle with that, too, because... It's like you owe me an apology, and you I never got that apology from you. But then I'm holding myself captive, yeah. worried about trying to get that apology from something somebody, somebody that's yeah. never going to come. Do it, yeah. You're but never going to apologize. That's, that's and it's, that I doesn't mean necessarily that you have to have an apology to forgive. Because yeah. I don't think, yeah. I don't know if my dad, I don't know if men are different, and men probably are different than women, because you don't, you don't see a lot of, not saying it like that, but a lot of daddies just ain't in kids' lives. You don't see them daddy sitting you down like, baby, I apologize. But, you know, you more to see a woman, a mother, come to you and be genuine about it. Like, I apologize that I wasn't there. I apologize that I wasn't there when you graduated. Or I apologize. Dads are not so much ever. Like, my daddy ain't going to never be like, you know what, I was, you know, I think I have heard him say, like, I was a bad daddy. But, you know, actually apologize after the fact. Now, him just saying he a bad daddy, that's probably enough to him, and that's his apology. But, you know, I forgive him. You know, it still don't come along with forgiveness. I mean, I forgive him and we let it go. But then you, know? you forgive him a long time ago, though. Like, that's what, like, I feel like you can forgive somebody and never get their apology. You just got to forgive them for your peace. You for your peace, for your exactly. Peace of mind that's, for, that's what it is, yeah. is for your peace. Yeah, and, and like, I'm not looking for an apology from my father. I'm, I'm really looking more for, for an explanation. It's not really an apology. Like I apologize for not being there. I don't want to. I don't want to hear you sorry for not being there. But tell me why you wasn't there. Just talk to me about it. But what if he tell you why and it's not something that you just tell me why? You gotta be okay. You gotta be okay to go forward with that because I had that situation. And I tell you know I'm saying I I say I offered to my child you know to go ask. Go ask and see. Maybe, you know, it's your time to go ahead and sit down with him and ask him why he ain't been there. You know, I can't tell you. I can't be your daddy. I can't, none of that stuff. But I mean, you, but you may not always, and I told him from the beginning, you may not always get that answer that you're looking for, and it may not be what you want to hear, and it may hurt your feelings at the end of the day. You don't want the answer. I don't. Because if you're already at peace with it, then why? It's no point. Trying to go look for answers because that might just dig up something else. Because what if I don't have an answer? What yeah, if I just I, wasn't there? Even if you had an answer, no that. answer is ever good enough for being out of my life as a as a child, as a growing up as a man. My yo pops not being there. There's nothing in the world, you know what I'm saying, that's gonna be like that. That's a good excuse, Dad. You know what I'm saying? Nothing. That's not an excuse. So 
looking for it, you don't really want it regardless of what it is. It's just kind of like, I'd rather be good with my piece where I'm at. You know, he wasn't there. I'm still here. I'm standing. I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's okay. But I think a lot of boys say they get peace, and I think a lot of that's a lot of reasons why maybe we got a lot of angry boys out here or boys that turn to gang. Because I don't I don't think a lot of boys are at peace they with their They say that. They say that they're not okay. You know, because I, I get that. You know, I'm good. You know, you sure you don't want, you know, to try to get him out? I'm good. He ain't got to be there. But he really, you know, you really ain't good. You know, in the no. back of your mind, you really ain't good. So it comes out, you know, that you say you okay. But you're in the corner, though. It's like you in the corner of, you know what I'm saying, like what you, what, what do you actually want out of him, you know what I'm saying, that you never got out of him? And does it, is it still going to work? You know what I'm saying? A lot of, a lot of men that, my age in college, you know what I'm saying, doing the things that they're doing, still doing positive things, playing football or whatever it may be, achieving and doing you. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, why? You might not be at peace with that, but that that anger is what motivated you to get you to where you at now. That that hurt is what motivated you to get you to where you now. And it's just you got to break that cycle of that type of dad. You know what I'm saying? You got to feel yourself to break that cycle. I think it motivates you in like certain areas, but it doesn't motivate you in all areas because I do believe like sometimes like your relationship, even with your mom or your dad affects your relationship like with your spouse or like oh, the person yeah. that you're oh, with. Yeah. Like you may be motivated on a football field. Let me show oh, him yeah. that I could be the best football player that I can be without him. But what are you like? What kind of man are you to a woman? Mm. Like, like that's the real question. So um, there was a post um, that I read a couple of days ago, and it said, okay, I see that you overcome your trauma, but are you able to love somebody? And that was deep because I think a lot of us think, well, you know, it no, it no longer affects me, but it does affect you. And it continues to affect your ability to love people and to be loved. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that a lot of us, when we go into the discussion of mental health in our yeah, community, sure. some of us just going to have to sit down with a therapist and hash it out. Yeah, you might not never get a chance to hash it out with your dad. Like, the, I mean, I don't know that it was ever a good excuse. Or I, I don't even know if I ever could. Like, my father didn't have a problem telling me why he wasn't there, you know? But it was weird. Like, yeah. they're here to come. Well, your mama threw up a time at me, so I was done talking to her at that point. And when I came to the hospital to hold you, it felt weird. Like, do you, like, what do you say? Like, so you just didn't want to be a dad. Like, yeah, so you just, I mean, that's I mean, basically he, what it comes you. down to. But I, don't, I didn't really, I that's mean, he told me multiple times. And I, for me, I didn't need maybe some people, Maybe some people just need answers. Maybe it's not the best answer, but maybe just because some people don't come with answers. Some people can't even tell you why they wasn't there. You ask, like, why you wasn't there. And they're, I mean, they have no, you know, they can give you no, you know, no reasons at all. So, I mean, you got a reason. I know. It may that, not be the best. I never asked. But, but. <laughs> Here, look, I never asked for the reason. He didn't have a problem, like, giving the reason. He just... This is why I wasn't there. I mean, great. But, but, but he had several other part. kids, so he probably felt like you were probably asked just like the rest of the, the other ones had. I mean. So he gave you a reason. Like, he, he probably gave the same reason to everybody. But if he wouldn't have gave a reason, I don't think it would have been any different. Because for me, I still I still struggle with the idea of the fact that you weren't there. Like, it never, the, the reason itself didn't make it any better to me or didn't make make it easier for me to forgive you or for me to move past that it still was a struggle for me to still get past 
the fact that he wasn't there. And then when he died, I still felt slighted. Like, I still felt like I missed a part of who he was, a part of his life, a part of all of that. You know, when you're sitting in a funeral home and you can't answer any questions about the person that is your father, you can't give any answers. Like, it didn't matter that he gave me an explanation of why he wasn't there. I didn't care for any of that. You know, so, yeah, you can tell me why you wasn't there, but even your ability to try to be a parent was just lacking. And I still had to deal with all of that from the time that I met you to the time that I that we buried you. You do you get what I'm saying? So I don't think, it, I think it's, forgiveness is a process. And I think especially when it comes to like an absent parent, I think that it's just, you have ups and downs no matter which direction. I think even if, if they apologize and they're sincerely apologetic and they re-ins- um, reinsert themselves into your life, I think that makes it a little bit better. But if you're just somebody who's just there, you give me an explanation and you never really correct your wrong, I think th- keep your explanation. The That's overall, just how I feel. Overall, the absent father situation is overlooked and it's downplayed a lot. It's like almost to where it's supposed to be to be expected. And it, that whole thing by our community, like everybody don't have their daddy in their life, everybody don't understand how much having a black figure, a black male in your home does for you as a, as a kid, as a child, as a family, as a community. You know what I'm saying? You have a black, everybody on my block had their dad in their house, then you're probably looking at a whole different type of neighborhood. And that's just, that's just the facts of it. And not understanding that it's like, Okay, not having a dad, you have your mom, but still, you don't. That affects your mom too, as, as just as much as it affects you. And some of the things, some of the emotions that you don't talk out. Your mom is in the room crying. She don't. You don't know why she's crying. And she's crying when you don't see her crying. You know what I'm saying? There's certain things, those emotions that your family don't talk about, where we hide the stuff and we bottle it in. We don't talk it out. We don't understand it. We don't get to an understanding, a common ground for it. And that's what drives into, you know what I'm saying, like now where people is mentally not understanding who they are in their relationships. So it's like, well, my father was never around. I don't come from a married home, so I don't really look at marriage like it's important. You know what I'm saying? I don't look at certain values as a family like it's important. I don't look forward to Christmases because I never had a good one. I don't look forward to Thanksgivings because my family was never together. There's certain things like that when you try to get with a person and this person's family is all peaches and cream and it's like, oh, they do Christmas big, they do they do Thanksgiving big and it's like, you don't really know how to expect that and that itself can mess up the relationship. So that, would you open up to that if he wasn't used to it? Would you be okay? Yeah, and it's, it, you, you, you open up it? to it, you embrace it, but at the same time, you it's a it's an unknown feeling and it's, it's a feeling that you don't really understand or get because you never had it. You never had Christmas like like this. You never had holidays like this. So it's like, it's still, it's gonna affect you because you're gonna, at the end of the day, when you go home and you go to sleep, you're gonna think like, man, my family never had it like this. And a part of you is gonna be like, I'm so grateful that I have this now. And a part of you is gonna be like, man, I missed out on a lot. And it really hurt me that I can't go home and, you know what I'm saying, experience the same thing. Okay, I totally understand it. You just seem so mature for your age. That's right. Very much so. You seem so mature. Like, 
Let her know. So send her a picture. He sent me a couple pictures. We're going to send her. <laughs> we was, girl, we was, hold on, look. When you see a good man, you know what? Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to say this. When I was in college, I'm it was rare in. and hard. You're taking Are you taking me? Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh. I'm going to say this. I found out when I looked at his story today. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's pretty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my That you would be taking. Okay, so this is the last thing, and then we'll kind of move on and ask the question as to like, how do you forgive? Because I think a lot of people, you know, we talk about forgiveness with this. So just in the in line with the whole um, male in a home. So I read this the other day. It says, if masculinity were truly toxic, then kids growing up without dads would presumably, presumably, sorry, be better off than those who have them, but they're not. They tend to be more depressed, aggressive, and criminal. Truth is, we need more masculinity in society and not less. Yes, I totally agree with that. And that was one of the, uh, the big uh, questions that was going on. I think last spring at Langston, uh, we had some real talk conversations where a couple of organizations get together and kind of sit down and talk about different topics around. Uh, but that was one big one. It was more so like toxic masculinity is, I don't know where they came up with that, but it's, it's I understand where they come from when they say toxic masculinity, but like, like you said, a lot of my friends was better off when they had a dad in the home. You know what I'm saying? And y'all say, it's at the end of the day, you're going to benefit more when you have two parents at a home. You're going to benefit more regardless of uh, sexuality, regardless of anything. Now, masculinity itself is masculine. Man, when you think about masculinity, you probably think about, oh, big man, take out trash, all this. But you got to understand that those conversations that you're going to have with your father is you never going to get it from somebody else ever. It's never going to be the same. So that itself is the masculinity part is how how do I deal with my problems as, as a man? I can't go cry and, and, and complain and do different things that a woman is expected to do. How do I deal with this as a man? How, as my father, how do you explain to me as a man, as a young man growing up, how do I deal with these issues? So what do you think about men who are affectionate towards their their sons? 
So I think we've had, like, it's been a lot of, like, controversy of, like, where you see posts and people are complaining about a father who has his son in their lap. And they're Uh like, he shouldn't have his six-year-old son in his lap. Or a father who kisses his son in public or kisses his son in his mouth or is affectionate towards his son. Uh, What do you think about about that? That's all. That's all movie. That's that's, what our president People passing joints back and forth. So I seen one that said, you you smoking blunts behind men, other grown men, but you got an issue with a man kissing his own son in I the mouth. I just don't believe the whole kissing kids in the mouth, period. That's just yeah, because that's, that's a, that's that's a health code. You know I mean, it depends like, on, I, I think, I mean, you but if you are a father who believes that that's yeah. your ability to show affection to your, yeah. affection to your kids, so I think when that that's clean, my thing. You know what I'm saying? But if you brush your teeth, if you brush your teeth, then you good. I mean, but people don't care about that when they passing a blunt around. People, don't nobody yeah. ask. So, did you brush your teeth today? When you in the circle, nobody asked their question. So, why is it a question? And I think that that's an issue. Is a lot of us see affection from men yeah. to their sons like or their kids and have an issue with that. You know what? When I see that, it made me wish I would have had it. And, exactly. and, that, and that's that's people will say what they want right now, but man. You 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 want your daddy when you get off the field, football field, to come cry in his arms and him tell you it's okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the you can't get that back. You know what I'm saying? You can't. It's something a mom can do it, then a father can do it, and that's what people don't understand. A mom, a dad is just as important to a son as a mom is as important to a daughter. So it's the same thing. That's true. Because I, the only thing is, my, and I and I know it's totally different, and you see a lot of moms out there, which is crazy. Like especially being a football mom, like you see more moms. Oh, yeah. Then you see daddies anyway. And I feel bad, like, for boys sometimes. I know that, you know, my son is running the house. And I, I mean, I feel good. Yeah. But, you know, because I'm the only one he can talk about. So if he got whatever tackles on the field or if he got, you know, uh, not to plug my baby, but, you know, he got district. But the thing is, like, you know, instead of him having conversations with me, because he's amped about having them conversations with me, but I'm the only one that he can. But I'm pretty sure that he would rather have them conversations with his dad or even shit my husband. Because neither one, he has two men in his life, and neither one of them are able to be there at this point. His daddy just shoots my two, and my husband locked up. So, I mean, he. He got the the messed up end of the stick, but you know it's hard for a boy. Like he actually, and I'm happy about it because I'll be waiting for the story, you know, or waiting when he get on the field. I'm, you know, but I'm pretty sure he would rather tell his dad than me. I mean, well, I'm experiencing that because you know, Legend is with me. If he when we're recording, he's not these days. Um, but outside of that, he's always with me. So when you see other little boys and you know, well, they they got their daddy in their life. So here I am trying to teach my son how to play a sport that I've never played. By the way, I've never played any sport. So everybody keeps looking at me like I'm like, I know I look athletic, but I'm not athletic. I was the kid who was scared of balls. Don't throw nothing in my face. So I didn't do sports, but teaching my son how to dribble because I'm like, well, I guess this is something that I, I mean, this is not something that I would have naturally done with him because I wasn't I, I wasn't a ball player. It also puts a burden on us as young black men because when you don't have a father in your life, that ball, that football, that basketball is what you got to to get you through a lot of stuff that you, you know what I'm saying, gotta go through as a youngie. That football, that basketball, them sports, you know what I'm saying, that's that's what gets you through it. Because 
at the end of the day, you don't have your dad telling you, like, hey, son, you, you know you can be adopted. You know what I'm saying? Your mama can tell you all the time, but that's kind of expected. You know what I'm saying? But coming from another black male, it's like powerful. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to uh, UCO Black Male Summit. They kind of taught me a lot about that when I was in high school. And when I used to attend these events, this uh, uh, UCO Black Male Summit, when I used to attend this event, I seen numerous black men in suits, black men with jobs, money, pulling up in cars that you thought that only ball players could buy. But these guys that, that have careers, that have families and stuff like that. So seeing that in general is, is like is life changing. So did they teach you how to, um, is this how you dress every day? <laughs> uh, <laughs> nah, you know, I'm kind of bigger, so I kind How do we keep like making that. him blush? I'm, we gonna do this on purpose, nah. by the way. So you usually in, you I'm usually in, I'm in sweats, like, early on, I was in my little Nike jumpsuit. You in like so, a guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> 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 you got your gray sweats, your gray sweatpants on for the, for sure the winter time, huh? Okay. okay. Yeah. You you a distraction in class. Okay, we know. All right, all right. No, so. I'm <laughs> all right so last question and then we'll close out um how do you truly forgive somebody like how do you somebody's hurt you somebody's done, wronged you they didn't ask for an apology how do you truly forgive them so that you have your own peace um, you start with forgiving yourself i feel like you, you can't never treat nobody any type of way to forgive anybody if you never forgave yourself for things or if you never understood yourself or why you got upset about it. You know what I'm saying? I know why I got upset about a certain situation and I know that's me. Now maybe I could have handled something different. Maybe I could have took a different type of route. Maybe I could have talked to you better. Regardless of what it was, you know what I'm saying? You got to understand you. And for me and myself, that first step is knowing yourself and knowing where you want to go. So that's how you start to forgive is knowing who you are. I would I would say for me it's more about peace for me. So I may may or may not forgive you, but it's more of like I'm just gonna stop dealing with you and I'm gonna accept who you are. You are who you are. I accept who you are. You probably won't change, and so I'm gonna just deal with it from that point. But I just want to say you're probably gonna make a real good husband one day because you're like super mature. <laughs> Make sure you get some therapy on that parts of you that you haven't done oh, yeah, so that they don't sure. go into your relationship. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's Have all about knowing yourself. No, I actually, see, when I had, um, I had gotten into a car accident when I was in high school. I lost my best friend, uh, Long Live Pluto. Uh, I have some some stuff to give y'all uh, from our CJ Driven organization and stuff. Um, don't let me forget. But that situation, I was... I was asked to go to therapy for it, you know what I'm saying? I was kind of, I went, but it's different when you don't understand what therapy is. Now that I look back at it, I'm like, dang, I should have taken advantage of that therapy. But now that I'm 21, I'm about to be, you know, older. I'm older now, I'm grown and mature now. It's like, now I understand why I need to talk to somebody. So maybe it, it's all about, like I said, knowing yourself. Once you understand why you need to do a certain type of thing, everything else will follow so did you not do it because it was shunned? Because I feel like therapy is kind of shunned in the black community. Yeah, it, it, it is. And that's and like I said, the awareness on that is coming up. Um, shout out to Wale, one of my favorite artists. He, he spoke a lot about uh, mental health here recently. Um, and it's, it's, it's a big thing, you know what I'm saying? You don't notice it when you're young. 
when you're young, you're not worried about no therapist because you don't know this person. You don't know how to express your feelings. Some people at the age of 16 don't even know how to articulate how they feel in general. So you asking me the question, I can't tell you because I don't know how. You know what I'm saying? I literally don't know how to come out and tell you and tell these uh, certain type of things. But, you know, me older being 21, uh, me getting older, and some people it may take longer. Some people may not be able to go into their 30. And that's all I'm saying. It's all about your own time. And when you understand why you need to go and how it's going to help you, that's when you'll, you'll go to therapy and it actually benefits you. Yeah, I tell, I say that to, I think, a lot of black men. Go. Just black people, period. Yeah. Go. When you are at that point in your life where you realize, look, there may be something wrong. I can't really explain. It's beneficial to go. So yeah. it helps you in your relationships. It helps you to break down some barriers because you may be holding on to things that you didn't even realize you was holding on to. Yeah. And Right. It gives you coping skills. Mm -hmm. It gives you peace. It helps oh, yeah. you to realize some things about yourself. And meditating is right. It's, it's very, very important. Meditating. And do you fall asleep? Down, huh? Do you fall asleep? I, I fall asleep meditating. I do too. I mean, <laughs> relax. But it ain't it's 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 a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get up. You gotta plan I'm it. Try, but it's like I'm too. I'm I too know relaxed. on Saturday I'm gonna get up. I don't have nothing to do. I wanna get up and I wanna first clean up. It's like therapy to me, so I clean up and I'll do my practices. You know what I'm saying? I'll get my time away from myself on one. My time away from other people too. So. And that's a big thing too, is our cell phones. Like, you don't understand. Like, I was anti, like, man, the cell, cell phone is awesome. Like, we got this, we got that, we can do this. It's better than the old school, but it's like, you really don't understand how much you, you're on your cell phone, how much it affects you. Because every day um, you see somebody body shaming on Twitter, or you see somebody telling you these certain type of ways, or girls having opinions. Like, all, all I ever seen when I woke, when I was, uh, on Twitter, like so all summer, all since I had Twitter, it's like always it's this stigma. Uh, brothers ain't this, brothers ain't that, and you know what I'm saying. It's like when you getting shamed by your own women, you know what I'm saying. It's it's hard to even keep. I'm like, dang, I already got a dad, not I can't even get support from my own women. You know what I'm saying. So certain things like that. That's just one situation, but everything like even if it's a girl, she see this girl that's getting her body fixed for for 2,500. You know what I'm saying. And, this coke bottle shape and she don't have that shape she can't post pictures she feel like she can't post pictures because this person get this many likes and she not on that different level that affects you mentally and we don't understand that and we wake up every morning and check social media and look at that phone that's what you're seeing every morning you're learning to to feel a certain way about yourself like that's why it's, it's important sit that phone down love you know you and just really find yourself like i said meditation is it's a big part of it. Which is why I think Instagram took the likes away. Oh, yeah, You can't yeah. even see, like, how many oh, people dope. like your stuff. That's, yeah, that's... I feel and like I think that's dope. a good thing. Yeah. How are you, deal with, how are you dealing with forgiveness? Come on, answer the question, man. Um, let me see. Um, I would say probably, I mean, my thing is I... I, I mean, I forgive. I'm, I'm a forgiving person. I can forgive and let go and just let be. Again, you know what I'm saying? I don't hold on to grudges. I'm more of let me be at peace with myself. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with forgiveness. I'm not going to, again, associate with people that I feel like is toxic. But, you know, I will. I'll forgive and keep it pushing.
So it takes a while for me to kind of get past like what you did, how you did it. Um, I think a lot. Who you were to me. Who you were to me. If you were really important to me. I and think then you, you forgive me pretty easily. <laughs> well, it depends on who it is. Okay. So I think if, you forgive me quicker than I forgive you. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, well okay. So if you have value to me then I realized that I can't hold on to a grudge like that. So, like, if I'm like, you, you're my friend, and, like, you're a significant person in my life, then I would probably forgive you for way more than if you're somebody that's yeah. not as significant. But you um, can be, like, you can be trained like that to where if I don't expect nothing out of you, then it's nothing to forgive you because I never expected you to be exactly. that to me anyway. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's like... Yeah. And that's just what you did. Yeah, you know what what right, like, you don't have a standard. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah, for me, but like, if you're like, so like, my ex-boyfriend, like, I still struggle with that. I'm praying on it. I'm working on it. It's a process. It took a while, but I don't have to deal with you every day. I mean, so, but I find value in my friends. So I have to, I, I mean, I forgive you. I probably forgive those that I find value in 10 times quicker. So I will come to you first. I will initiate conversation first because I value your relationship. So if I'm that person, if, if I do that to you, that means you're important to me. So, so to you, is it harder to forgive somebody that you don't know or is it harder to forgive somebody that you do know? It depends on the capacity in which I know you. Does that make sense? I see what you. I see. Where so like, if I do like, so she's my friend. Like I love her. Um, yeah. No matter what, like she's always gonna be my friend. I'm gonna always value her friendship. So I can forgive her. Like my sister. Like if you my sister, like my sister, I can forgive I you. You're my sister. But but notice what I'm saying. No, yeah. but for me, I don't struggle with that. Okay. I gotta go. That's okay. Go. But, for me, I don't. I don't. But it depends. No, I'm saying my friends. Because I miss you. So this is what happens. I don't do good with my friends of, like, disliking my friends for a long time because, like, when I get over it, I expect you to be over it, too, and I want to talk. So when something come up, I'm like, well, I need to talk to my friend or I need to call my sister. So, like, I'm not going to hold the grudge. Even if you did something, I'm going to be like, okay, it, it's time to be done. Like, I can't hold... And we can't be mad for three, four weeks because then it's a whole lot I need to tell you and I feel some kind of way. I'm probably the opposite of that. I could probably... Because once you, you, yeah. you show me how you feel, it's like... Uh, okay, so oh, that depends no. on the kind of what you've done. Yeah, so I say that. Because I have siblings that aren't like... You could open up to a friend for years. Right. So say you got like a high school friend. Y'all do high school together, middle school, high school, college, all that. And then you become an adult. So let me tell you how let me tell you how I've done with that. So I'm really selective on who I let in my circle. So I had a high school friend who just when we got to a certain point, it was time to be done. 
And when I was done, I was done. So, like, um, I, I recognized that I was at a level in which she wasn't at, that I had matured to a certain place that she hadn't matured to, and that we just separated. And I was okay with that. But when, if I say that, like, you're my friend, that I value you, that means that you, that you add value to me. So if you're taking value from me, you're probably not really my friend, or there's probably at some point we need to kind of end this relationship anyway. So for me, it's going to be okay to forgive you and go on. Whereas if I know that you're a friend that adds value to my life, so like my relationship with Dante has been nothing but um, added value to my life. So when I say she's my friend, I mean she's truly my friend. Like, if somebody was like, would you take a bully for her? Like, I would. That's my, this is my friend. Like, I, no matter what, I know she will never wrong me in a way because I'm, I'm selective like that. So we have some of the same mentality. We think the same. She's going to call and, and it, no matter what we're going through, she's going to have my back. But would you have expected that from someone you've been friends uh, with for No, so long, everybody right? goes into so a certain box. In the event of forgiving them, I mean, don't get me wrong, you move on from it, you let it go. But it's more like, you know a lot. You know so much that even myself, what happened, maybe even call you and be like, hey, what happened? Yeah. So in the think event that, of that, how do you, like, don't get me wrong, I've forgiven the girl who's done it to me. And I've moved on because at the end of the day, like, I, I'm still a mom. I still got to set a better example for my child. But it's like, I see you, and it's just like, you know, we had all these years together. But I think if you have them many years together and y'all have some type of disagreement, I mean, I think it's just a conversation that you have. Y'all owe each other some type of conversation. You know what I'm saying? Before, and maybe both of you, you know, come to some, you know, you say your part, she say her part, and you may agree to disagree. But I mean, long as, I mean, you can forgive her and keep it pushing. Don't mean that y'all still have to be that tight bond that y'all had. Because everybody matures to a level that maybe she wasn't meant to be in your life, you know, going forward. Obviously, if she had a problem with you having a kid, because your kid ain't going to ever go nowhere. You know what I'm saying? But it just made me she wasn't, you know, meant to go forward with you. Everybody ain't meant to move on with you. The number one thing is that having that conversation, though, because not having that conversation is what leaves that room for kind of awkwardness when you come around. So... I just feel like that's the that's the biggest thing is having that conversation and actually talking it out. But like I said, in our community, growing up in our own type of homes, you don't do that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like you just don't do it. Some people do, you know, and some people are taught that if you have an issue with somebody, you talk it out. But normally in a black home, when you have an issue, you charge it to the game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's when you older now. It's hard to be like, man, let me go talk to this person. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me go, let me go talk to this person. Let's talk this out. Let's see what's, what's, what the issue was. Or let's just both move past it. But it's hard to do that. I, I've, I've walked away from friendships. Um, but I realized at the point that we were just going in different directions. Yeah. And I'm t when I talk about my childhood friend, like childhood friend, like we started off being friends in like pre-K. I don't even remember how we asked each other to be friends. You say you grow from it? Yeah. I, That's feel, yeah. Like, I feel like you grow from it. So, even, so yeah. even if you do go through childhood friends since pre-K up to college and y'all just venture off, you grow from it. Right. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You want to see the next person you look. You don't want to wish bad on it. Right. And I don't wish bad on, on her at, at all. I just right. knew that when we when it was time for us to end, it was time for us to end. And I, and I feel like 
holding on to it was more difficult than letting go of it. Well, it's, it's about seasons, and I think that some people have certain seasons in your life or whatever you do learn from it. Like, you, I mean, it's temporary. Some people are tem temporary and some people are permanent. Or whatever, it's just, it is what it is. Yes. Right. So, anyway, that was a good conversation. So, Keyshawn, we need to know about your platform. Like, so, okay. you have an actual platform that you mentioned. Yeah, 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 for sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so, my platform is CJ Driven. Um, like I said, um, my brother, um, we were both in a car accident. Um, we were 15 years old. I was in high school by my sophomore year. Uh, I lost him to that. I was injured in that. And um, just that whole situation and that happened to me so young, losing somebody and actually seeing it and witnessing it happen, you know what I'm saying, in the aftermath of that. Um, just dealing with that, um, I guess you could say PTSD, just understanding, like, all of that put and still CJ driven inside of me. Um, I go see his mom every like every Sunday. Um, I love her to death. I mean, she hugged me like, you know, and it's, that drove me and us, uh, his family, to do uh, longlivepedo.org. You can visit that page. You can um, donate to the GoFundMe. So long live. Long live Cleto. His Family's name is, is CJ Davis. Um, but we uh, call him Cleto. Is Long live C-L-E-A-T-O. So um, that was just something we called him in high school. But um, that, my purpose is to inform black males. Because when, I always remember this, I always tell this story. When we were in eighth grade, um, when we were getting to know everybody, uh, our teacher told everybody to stand up and let tell us what you want to be. And you know, everybody stands up. I want to be NFL, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a teacher, I want to be this. Um, he stood up and he was just like, I just want to be successful. And that stood out to me uh, and my family, my friends. Like, But we made fun of him <laughs> when he said it in class and we laughed at him about it because it was like, man, you're supposed to say something that, you know, actual feel, but it's like, now that I'm, now that I got older and mature, it's like, it's, it's crazy to think about how it just play out, but it's like you see what he meant by I just want to be successful. And that's my motto. No matter what you do, be successful in it. Be the best in what you want to do, no matter what you – because his biggest thing is is that he didn't know what he wanted to do. Nobody did at that age. Nobody know where it was going to go. But I do know I want to be able to provide for my family. I do want to be able to provide for myself. So that's – Excuse me. Uh, just one of the bigger things that we focus on is everybody just wanting to be successful, no matter what you're doing. Like you could be doing uh, from the football field to the classroom to entrepreneurship, whatever you're doing, be the best at what you're doing. And that's what all my friends, no matter what, we all do different things. We all come from different types of places, but we all cut from some of the same cloth, and that's being that we shared that same bond with CJ. And all of that gave us purpose-driven things. So we say family over everything. Um, and we always say, I just want to be successful. Like, everybody goes by that. And it's like a code because everything that we do, we want to be the best in it, but we want to be successful in it. We want our purpose to be fulfilled wherever and whatever field it is in. So just my purpose and my platform, that's what I, you know, that's what I pride myself off on, and that's what I push myself off on. I wake up every morning and I, you know, say the same thing. I just want to be successful.
and I'll go on about my day. You know what I'm saying? No matter what I'm doing, before I come in here, I just want to be successful. Uh, let God use me and, you know, let me, you know what I'm saying? He's going to use me to touch other people. You know what I'm saying? It's not even about me. At the end of the day, it's not. It ain't about my achievements, my goals. It's, it's about where he's going to take me and how he's going to use me at the end of the day. And I feel like that allowing him to use you is just having that mindset of whatever you're doing, be successful in it and do it to your best of abilities because you're there for a reason. You're there for a purpose. So, what's up? Yeah. You sure you're 21? Do you have any upcoming events? Um, we do have um, the anniversary is coming up. His birthday is coming up. He'll be 21. Um, this coming up April will be his 21st birthday. So we're going to do um, some, a balloon release. Again, we always do one of those. And we just recently had the 5K uh Bear Bustle, we do it with John Marshall because that's the school we went to. Um, and we do CJ Driven Bear Bustle. His mom actually runs and she's she's over 50, you know, and she nice. gets out there and she'll run. She'll do it for her. I mean, it's so inspiring. Everybody will come out and, and run. I mean, it was it was awesome. What is his name? Cletus Glenn Davis. I know him. I know yeah. his, he his on parents. My Okay, yeah. I know his parents. Now that you, you say that, right on my street. You, the accident happened right in front of the school, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was in the front seat, and he was right behind me. Okay, yeah. I do remember okay. that. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty. Um, well, thank you for joining thank us you. today. Thank we you. appreciate you because we just kind of threw really you do. on our platform. <laughs> yeah, so. it's all good. It's all good. But thank you for joining us. Oh, thank yeah. you for making it in the cold. Oh. Okay. Snow. They say it's supposed to snow today. Maybe. Yeah. I'm about to go to work here in a minute, so it's all good. Oh, work? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hustle the hustle. We appreciate that. Um, so, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, you can follow me at underscore Kebro underscore K E Y B R O um, on Instagram. You can also follow me on Twitter at Keyshawn Shells, K E Y S H A W N S H E L L S. And follow me. Uh, DM me if you're interested in doing any type of community events. Uh, I did one here at IC Ben Center. Shout out to IC Ben Center. I partnered with one of my ambassador brothers from Lexington University. We did a backpacks giveaway here. We gave over 70 backpacks full of supplies to kids over here on the east side. This was what, beginning of August? What's his name? Uh, my brother, yeah. uh, Gerard Harrison. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he helped me out with that. We both, uh, we have the same vision and goal for the kids over here to go to school with the backpacks. We know how it is when you're going into school, the public school, and these kids coming in here with all these boxes of tissues and extra stuff, and you ain't got nothing. So we uh, kind of took that and made it happen here at ICE, and we also was able to sponsor some meals. We got some artists to come out to perform for the kids and stuff like that. So if you interested in doing anything like that, any type of events, interested in donating, please go to the website, longlivecleto.org. That's longlivecleto. Org. You can go on the museum on there, you can look at the pictures, you can look at his story. Um, his sister keeps a blog on there, so you can check that out, and that's how you can uh, keep up with me. Oh, nice. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, what was I going to say? Uh, well, Sorry. we should definitely get in contact with you closer to the school oh, yeah. job. Yeah, we should. Oh, yeah. Um, we can partner, probably partner with you guys on that and see what mm -hmm. that looks like. Um, also, shout out to our vendor, Diamond. Um, I, mean, I don't even know your last name. Oh, Sean Bright. Uh, Sean Bright. 
Diamond would shine bright. Um, organizational and house home cleaning um, skills. So thank you for being a vendor tonight. And then we have Old City Homes. Oh, and then we have Old City Homes as well. Shout out to her, um, Colette Naff. If you guys have any homeowner um, questions, you want to know about homeowning, you want to know about house buying, Colette is your girl. You guys know. We are on Seattle Hip Hop Radio every Monday and Friday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are on um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm just going to go ahead and do that one, and then I'll go back to the other one because I didn't skip over. We are Mocha Tea Podcast on all of those platforms. You can listen to us, a uh, new episode every Sunday um, on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. Um, we post a new episode every Sunday. Um, and we are doing our events at the Ice Event Center every third Monday of the month. Shout out to Mark Clemens and the Ice Event Center staff for having us every third Monday. Um, keeping it going. We appreciate you guys as well. And we are out. Peace. Peace out.